How are we doing, family? Well, it is so good to be with you. And whether you're in Rock Island joining us online, men in Kiwani are here in Bettendorf. I am so glad that you're here. And as we gather in this space today, I want you to know that however you got here, whether it was by choice or by force, okay, maybe hopefully not by force, um, that it is not a mistake that you're here. Right? In fact, I believe because of your willingness to gather in this space, that in a little while when we walk out of these doors, that you will walk out saying, I have encountered a real and risen king, the king by the name of Jesus. Amen? And I am convinced of that simply because of how our God has been and continues to be at work every time we gather in spaces like these. In fact, last weekend, uh, as we gathered across our network, we, God stirred in the hearts of 33 men and women and children to step into the waters of baptism to declare that they are free to live. Isn't that awesome? And they declared they're free to live because of Jesus' sacrifice and because of his resurrection. And if that wasn't cool enough, we know of over the last week two people that have articulated and shared with us that they have stepped from death to life into relationship with Jesus. And that never, ever gets old. In fact, this weekend, our God has already been at work in and through you and through I and through our Heritage family as we hosted a mobile food pantry at the Esperanza Center. As you see here, a few pictures. We had an opportunity this weekend for God to work in and through us as we served over 100 families families right there in the Florisante community, which 100 families equates to around 425 people that we served food to. Now, you may be somebody that wants to know how much food exactly is that, and that is over 10,000 pounds of food, all right? So you may be wondering, why are all these heritage people buff? Well, there you go. Okay, never mind. <laughs> But I want you to know as we continue to worship and we lean into the word of God together that I am convinced that if we enter into his presence with a desperation and a hunger to encounter him and to experience more of him, that we're going to experience him and he's going to do a work in and through us that we could have never ask or imagine. So if you were here last week, we concluded a series of conversations in which we called hashtag worth it, right? And it, these were conversations that for me were deeply, a per, challenged me personally as I had to reflect on what am I spending my life on? Am I spending my life in the areas that are truly worth it? And I was challenged to consider, am I investing my time and my talent and my treasure in things that will last, that will last beyond my life, that will have ripple into eternity? And I encourage you, if you missed any of those three conversations, get online, Click on the media tab, and you can check them out there. I promise you it will be worth it. You guys see what I did there? Okay, anyways. Um, but one of the truths that we unpacked that was just particularly challenging for me was this idea that doing what Jesus says is always worth it. Doing what Jesus says is always worth it. And that's true for us individually. That's true of us collectively. In fact, the reason why when we gather on weekends that we take specific time to engage God's word and to really wrestle with it and unpack it is because we want to know what it looks like for us to walk out of the doors and be found faithful to actually live out what Jesus said. Because doing what Jesus says is always worth it. And as a church, we acknowledge that everything that we see in scripture and the words of Jesus are all intentional. And let me put it this way, and kind of a little bit differently, that Jesus never had a moment where he said something that he wished he could take back. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Maybe you've been in a conversation with somebody or in front of a group of people where words are literally coming out of your mouth and you're like, no, I want those back. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like when you're at high V and you're getting to know the, the cashier and you're trying to be friendly and build bridges, you know, and do everything that we encourage us to do as a church. And, and you go on to congratulate the, the cashier on what her impending, what you perceive as welcoming a child into the earth and you ask her when she's due only to find out she's not pregnant 
Not good, folks. Not that I know that at all. But, um, or maybe you're a pastor who officiated a wedding, and during the course of the wedding, you called the bride by the wrong name. And not only did you call the bride by the wrong name, but you called her one of the, uh, the groom's ex-girlfriend's name. True story. All right? Remember that when you want me to do your wedding. Okay? <laughs> So you know what I'm talking about, but here's the deal. Jesus never, never had one of those moments. In fact, everything that Jesus said was intentional because he knew that his words were significant. And so he spoke words of life and words of healing and words of peace. And that was true of all of the words that Jesus spoke throughout his life and throughout his ministry. But it's especially true of the words that he spoke on the cross. The last words that came out of his mouth as he hung on that cross for you and for me. And so as we engage scripture together today, we're going to begin a series of conversations that's going to lead all the way up into Easter. An opportunity for us to just examine and embrace some of the last words that Jesus spoke. And it's my hope that as we engage those and we un unpack those, that we will be found as a people who are faithful to actually live out and do what Jesus says, simply because doing what Jesus says is worth it. And so if you have your Bible, I encourage you, or maybe a device, turn or click to Luke chapter 23. In a moment, we're going to get to verse 34. If you have a teaching outline, the, the scripture will be in there as well, or we'll have it up here on screen. Uh, but as you're getting there on your way to uh, verse 34, I want to take a moment to just catch us up on what's happened in the moments leading up to the verse that we're going to look at together today. You see, leading up to these moments, Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who created the heavens and the earth, has stepped out of heaven and he's come to earth. It's God so loved the world that he sent his son. And after 30 years of life and three years of ministry, Jesus is arrested. And he's arrested and he's paraded through in front of a number of religious leaders and even brought before people like Herod and Pilate, Roman politicians of the day. Jesus has been rejected. In fact, he's been rejected by the Jews, the very people that as Jesus came into Jerusalem on a donkey, just days before, the people were declaring, glory to God, Hosanna, praise to God in the highest, right? There was this worship and this celebration and praising of God. Only for a few days later, for these same people who had been lifting up praises to God, they, their tune had changed. And now all they screamed was crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And tragically, after a number of moments, Jesus, our Savior and King, finds himself on the cross. The most shameful, excruciating, embarrassing death possible. And it's in that moment on the cross as he hangs there for you and for me that Jesus utters his first words. His first words that we only find in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke 23, verse 34. And here's what he says. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. These words are stunning. They're shocking. I mean, they're, they're mind-blowing. I mean, consider... As Jesus led into the cross, and we consider what he endured, they become even more crazy. You see, in the moments before Jesus was nailed to that cross, Scripture says that he was beaten, both with fists and with rods. Scripture says that there are groups of people that lied about him, that assassinated his character. Scriptures record that Jesus was tortured. He endured a torture that many men never, couldn't, didn't even live through, let alone get to the cross. It's a torture that they called flogging. And what they would do is they would take the upper garments off of the victim. 
and they would chain his hands and fasten his hands to a pillar with his back exposed and then they would take a three-pronged whip and they would beat him over and over. And every time that whip made contact, it would stick into his skin and then within a matter of moments when they would rip that whip out of his skin, they would rip chunks of his flesh out. Some historians recall that there are moments when bones would fly out. And if that wasn't enough, there were a group of people who'd fastened a crown of thorns and they put it on his head as a way to mock him and call him the king of the Jews, which he was. But when they did it, it was from a posture of mocking him and making fun of him. And if that wasn't enough, they stripped Jesus naked and they placed him on the cross and they nailed one hand with a spike through his hand on one side and then the other. Then they put his feet together and they drove a stake through his feet. And then they up brought that cross upright and dropped it into place. And on that cross was Jesus hanging there. In the moments that would have followed, he would have had to push up off the stake in his feet just simply to catch his breath, only to fall back down because of the excruciating pain that he would have endured. And he would have done this over and over and over. And it was in one of those moments that Jesus would have pushed up off of his feet to catch his breath that he would have said, Father, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And the words Jesus says are absolutely stunning because rather than his first words being words of rage or anger or vengeance or a desire to get revenge, Jesus' first words were words of forgiveness. It's as if Jesus was looking out over those who were responsible for him being on the cross and saying, Father, forgive those who abandoned me. Father, forgive those who have mocked me. Father, forgive those who have crucified my character. Father, forgive those who have, who have mutilated my flesh. Father, forgive those who have put stakes in my hand and my, in my feet. Father, forgive those who are responsible for the excruciating pain that is running through my body right now. And it's shocking that the first words Jesus says are words of forgiveness. And it wasn't just the people that Jesus looked out over that he was saying, Father, forgive them. Remember, it was you and I that were on Jesus' mind when he hung on that cross. It was our sin that put Jesus on the cross. And from the first words that Jesus utters from his mouth, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Jesus is making abundantly clear this truth. There is nothing that Jesus won't forgive. There is nothing Jesus won't forgive. Now, some of you then been around church for a while, maybe familiar with the Bible, you'll go, well, Justin, what about Mark chapter three when, when Jesus talks about the eternal sin, you know, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that's not what I'm talking about here. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is simply when we give the devil or Satan credit for what only God can do, right? And that's not what hap is happening here at all. In fact, what's happening is Jesus hangs there and he's looking out over that group of people and he's looking out over you and me. He's saying, there is nothing that these people have done that I won't forgive. There's no action that we've done or thing that we've said or thing that we've thought or that thing that nobody else knows about. There is nothing that Jesus won't forgive. I've been a pastor now for a little over a decade, almost 11 years. And, and the, the conversation that I have most frequently with those inside the church and those outside the church is along the lines where they express this idea to me that because of what I've done, there is no way God can forgive me. In fact, just in the last few weeks, I've had numerous conversations with men and women from our heritage family where different stories, different scenarios, but the common thread of every one of those conversations 
is this sentiment that because of what I've done, I'm unlovable and that I'm unforgivable. And I've heard it over and over just in the last couple of weeks. In fact, it was two weeks ago now that I got a phone call. It was about seven o'clock at night and um, I was working with my wife to get our kids to bed. Parents, you know what that process is like, right? Um, and I'm working, I'm getting them to bed and, and the phone rings and it's one of our heritage family members. And on the phone, they just said, Justin, I know it's late. I know you have a family, but could you please come over and pray for my loved one who's on the end of a terminal illness? And within moments, he could pass away and take his last breath. And so I looked at my wife. I told her what was going on. I got her permission. Happy wife, happy life, right? <laughs> and I kissed my wife and I kissed my kids. And I went and I got in the car and I made the 20-minute trip uh, to where this home was. The entire way, I was just praying, Lord, please let him be awake. Lord, please let him be alive. Just let me have a conversation with him. And so after a 20-minute drive of praying, I get there, and the guy was unconscious. He was already unconscious. And so I began to ask the family to tell me a little bit about him. Tell me about his story. Tell me about his faith journey. And they went on to tell me about this gentleman, 98 years old who from the moment he returned from World War II, where he fought on behalf of our country for the freedoms that we enjoy, that this man had, from that moment he returned, said repeatedly over and over that he was convinced he was going to hell because there is no way God could forgive him for the actions that he took in the war. And so I went into the room where he was laying unconscious, and I began to pray, Holy Spirit, let this man hear my voice. Let him hear my voice and let him know that there is nothing Jesus won't forgive. And I'll tell you today, I don't know if you heard my voice. I believe in the power of prayer and that I was praying on the way over and that Jesus answered my prayer. But I don't know if he heard my voice. But I want you to hear my voice today. That there is nothing that Jesus won't forgive. I don't, that means you've been unfaithful in a relationship or there's an addiction that you wrestle with or there's something that has happened in your lifetime, something that you've done that you've hidden from everyone and you've, you thought you've done a good job of, hiding it, a job of hiding it away. I want you to know that Jesus wants to and can forgive that. In fact, for me, I've shared this a couple times with our church family that at the age of 15, my girlfriend got pregnant and we, after a short conversation, she had an abortion. And I'll tell you, for more than the vast majority of my life, I beat myself up and I was convinced that there was no way that Jesus could forgive me. But what I want you to know is that Jesus has forgiven me and he's forgiven you. There is nothing that Jesus won't forgive. In fact, look at how Peter, the apostle Peter says it this way in 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. In the NIV translation, it says, for Christ died once for all, for all sin, for all people, the righteous one, Jesus, for the unrighteous, you and me, to bring us to God. There is nothing, listen to me, there is nothing that Jesus won't forgive one of my favorite chapters in the entirety of the Bible is Psalm 103. And I encourage you, if you get a chance to read that Psalm in its entirety, but it's in the first few verses, it speaks about this truth. And when it just says this, Psalm 103, starting in verse one, it says, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives what? All your sin. Who forgives what? All your sin. 
and heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Listen to those words. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion and satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. There is nothing that Jesus won't forgive. And when he hung on that cross and he looked out over those people there and he uttered those words and he thought of us, he had com- clearly communicated that there is no- nothing that Jesus won't forgive. And this is significant because the truth is, is that forgiveness is a gateway to healing. Forgiveness is a gateway to healing. As stunning as those words are that Jesus utters from the cross, when I take a moment to step back and to consider the character of our God and to consider his passion and his desire and his heartbeat that we would walk in the fullness of life, fully healthy and fully healed, if I'm honest, I'm not surprised. You see, when Jesus looked out over those people there, the soldiers uh, who, had, who had mutilated his flesh, when he thought of you and me because he knew in the depths of his heart that the healing that he longed for us was impossible unless we walked into forgiveness, as we walked in through the gateway of forgiveness. And so he knew that he had to give his body. He knew that he had to be willing to forgive all things so that we could walk in to the healing, the fullness of life that he desired for you and for me. The Apostle Peter says it this way, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, in which he says, He himself, Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And he concludes, by his wounds, you have been what? Healed. By his wounds, you have been healed. There is nothing that Jesus won't forgive because Jesus knows that forgiveness is a gateway to healing. And we see this throughout Jesus' ministry where he speaks about this, and we see it throughout the entirety of the New Testament. But there's actually a story that illustrates this point uh, perfectly. And it's found in Luke chapter 5, and Jesus has started his ministry. He's preaching, he's teaching. Everywhere he goes, God's given him the power to heal. And so there's a moment in Luke chapter 5 where Jesus comes to a town, and he's preaching in a home. And a group of men find out about this and they, they have a friend who's paralyzed and these men go and they put their, their friend on a mat and they carry him to this home in which Jesus is preaching. Now, not surprisingly, the home is absolutely packed. All right? And these men look, see the home is packed, but they are committed and determined to getting their friend in front of Jesus. I pray that I'm that kind of friend, right? I pray that you and I will be that kind of friend. But they are committed to getting their friend in front of Jesus. And so they go up onto the roof and they cut a hole in the roof and they lower Jesus, uh, this man down to the feet of Jesus. And Jesus, the scripture says, looks up and seeing the faith of these men, he looks down at this man and they, he says, son, Your sins are forgiven. And he extends forgiveness to this man who's paralyzed and on the mat. Now this ticks off a whole bunch of people, especially the religious leaders, all right? Because what Jesus is doing, he's essentially claiming that he is God. And so these people are upset. And this is how Jesus responds to them. In Luke chapter 5, starting verse 22, he says, Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And immediately 
he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. You see, forgiveness, the forgiveness that Jesus offered this man was a gateway to healing. Now, in this this story in particular, it's a physical healing. And we still believe today that our God heals physically. But the truth is, is that forgiveness is a gateway to healing, not just physical healing, but emotional healing, spiritual healing. The reality, the great news is that you and I can experience a transformational healing in every single area of our life. But we first must walk through the gateway of forgiveness. See, Jesus can forgive us of anything. There's nothing Jesus won't forgive us of because he knows that in order for us to walk into the healing and the fullness of life that he desires for us, that we have to first experience his forgiveness. But the great news is, this is the good news, is that Jesus intends for us to receive forgiveness. Jesus intends for us to receive forgiveness. When he hung on that cross and he uttered those words and he endured that torture, Jesus wasn't just doing this for show. He was doing this because he sincerely desired that we would receive and, receive and walk in the forgiveness and the healing that was available to us. And let me be clear today that a knowledge of Jesus' forgiveness and actually receiving his forgiveness are two very different things. Jesus does not intend for us merely to have an intellectual understanding of his grace and forgiveness. He doesn't just intend for us to have a head knowledge of us. Jesus hung on that cross, and when he uttered those words, he was saying he intended for us to receive it, to experience it, to walk in the healing that he has for us. And let me tell you today, if you have never encountered the forgiveness of Jesus, today is the day for you. I encourage you, in fact, if you've never stepped into relationship with Jesus, to turn over your teaching outline. There's a a few uh, points in a sample prayer. And I encourage you today to step into Jesus' forgiveness. Receive his forgiveness because that's what he desires for you and for me. But the truth is, Jesus doesn't just desire for us to receive his forgiveness. He desires and intends that we would extend that forgiveness to others. In fact, one way of just saying that directly is that Jesus intends for us to receive and extend forgiveness. Jesus intends for us to receive that forgiveness, and that is great news. But the truth is he desires that we would then turn around and forgive those who have wronged us, who have wounded us. You see, when Jesus hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them, he wasn't just saying that to express a truth to us. He was literally setting an example for you and for me of how he was calling us and intending for us to live. And throughout moments in Jesus' ministry and throughout the Old Testament, there's moments where he says things like, um, forgive others as I've forgiven you. Or just as I've forgiven you, so you must forgive others. And for those of, those of us like me, like sometimes I have to see it in the context of a story. And there's even this moment in, in Matthew chapter 18 where Jesus goes on to share a story to kind of, um, kind of show this truth that he intends for us to receive forgiveness, but also extend it to others. And this is a story about a servant who had just all kinds of financial debt. And I mean thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And he's in debt to this, to his master and to his king. And eventually the day comes where the, his master says, you know what, I'm going to make good on my debt. I'm going to, let's, let's balance these books. And he has the servant brought before him. And in my translation, he says, all right, listen up, homie. The due date is here, all right? And there is no late payments. There's no payment plans here. The due date is today. And so this servant is brought before this king. And Jesus tells the story. This is what he says the servant does. He says, but the man fell down before his master and begged him. 
Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. You get this picture of the servant on his knees before his master saying, please just give me time. But the master doesn't do that. He goes a step further in which it says, then the master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. He forgave his debt. How many of you would love for your creditor to call you today and say, I forgive you of your debt? All right, come on, Jesus, I want that. (laughs) It's not gonna happen, but, but I would love that. But it happens for this guy. I mean, it's a crazy story. This guy literally walks out of the presence from his from his master completely and utterly debt free. I mean, Dave Ramsey would have been so proud in that moment for him. All right? He is utterly debt free and he goes home to his home, and Jesus tells this story where he leaves, he's debt free, he goes home and he begins begins to interact with a fellow servant, a fellow servant who owed him, you know, a few bucks. It's, it's kind of like he had been forgiven of thousands, and this fellow servant, they were at Quickstar, and he didn't have money for his diet mountain doing Snickers, so he loaned him a few bucks, all right? And he comes to this servant, and he says, listen up, brother, I want my money right now, all right? Remember, he had been forgiven of thousands, and then he gets home, and he wants his $3.99 from this servant, And then this guy does the craziest thing. Rather than forgiving this servant like he had been forgiven, he says, you know what? Give me the money now or I'm throwing you in prison. And that's exactly what this servant who had been forgiven of thousands of dollars does. He throws this servant into jail until he would repay his money. Well, eventually the master, the king found out about that. And listen to what Jesus says and how the king and the master respond, starting in verse 32. It says, Then the king called in the man who he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you of tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? He says, I've forgiven you of thousands of dollars, and you're going to let this $4 debt that this guy has You're going to throw him in jail? Shouldn't you have mercy on him just like I had on you? And then Jesus goes on to say in this story that the king had that guy who had been forgiven of all his debt thrown into prison and tortured. And then Jesus says these hollowing words where he says, the father will do likewise to you if you do not forgive your brother and sister from your heart. And it's this clear picture that Jesus intends for us to receive forgiveness. Just like that that servant who was forgiven of much, but his intent and his desire for you and I is to turn around and to extend that same forgiveness to those who've wounded us, those who have hurt us. There's nothing that Jesus won't forgive. And he invites us to receive his forgiveness, but then turn around and extend it to others. Now, let me talk a little bit about what forgiveness is and what it's not, because I think that's helpful for us to understand, right? When I talk about forgiveness, what I'm talking about is, is, is our willingness to, to give up our right to get even, all right? Our willingness to give up our right to get even or give, give up the, the resentment or the anger that we felt toward that person who have, has wronged us. Sometimes when I talk about forgiveness, I'll use the analogy of somebody hurting you and you grabbing them by the neck, you know? And when you choose to forgive them, it's literally your willingness to take your hand off their neck and give them to Jesus, to say, you know what, God, I'm giving up my right to get even right now. I'm giving up my anger. I'm giving up my resentment, and I'm handing them over to you, Lord. And not only handing them over to them, but then beginning to pray, Jesus, would you give me the ability to see this person as you see them? You see, that's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not, let me be clear, forgiveness is not forgetting. You see, some of us endured incredible hardship and incredible wounding, and forgiveness is not forgetting what has happened to you. Forgiveness is not dismissing what has happened. It is not saying that that is right and dismissing what happened to you. That's not what forgiveness is. 
Forgiveness is not choosing to, to trust and to put yourself back into situations where that same thing can happen to you. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is simply saying, you know what, I'm getting rid of, giving my, away my right to get even. I'm giving up the anger and the resentment that I've held toward them out of, a, out of an overflow of having received that same forgiveness from Jesus. And now can I tell you, Jesus longs for us to receive his forgiveness and extend it to others, but sometimes the hardest person for us to extend forgiveness to is ourself. It's ourself. We're, we're, we're our worst critics, aren't we? And sometimes we can be af- absolutely ruthless toward ourselves. And when Jesus hung on that cross and he said, Father, forgive them, He was making it very clear that he wanted us to, yes, receive his forgiveness and to extend it to others, but he wants us to extend it to ourselves. You see what happens when we we refuse to forgive ourselves. In many ways, what we're communicating is that, Jesus, yes, you paid the price on the cross so that you could forgive me, but that's not good enough for me. In some ways, what we're saying to Jesus is that the standards that I have for myself and what's required of me to forgive myself are actually higher than yours, Jesus. And I want you to know today that that breaks his heart. It breaks the heart of God. Not just the sentiment that is shared in that moment, but the reality that Jesus knows that if we don't receive his forgiveness and extend it to others and extend it even to ourselves, that we will never fully live into and experience the healing and the the fullness of life that he desires for us. See, there's nothing that Jesus won't forgive Because he knows that forgiveness is a gateway to healing. And because of that, he offers this forgiveness to us and says, if you would just receive it and extend it to others and extend it to yourself, I want to unleash a, a healing in you, a transformational healing that will completely change you. So what? You might be asking, so what? What does this mean for me today? As we consider these words of Jesus, it's our heart to to live them out because we know that doing what Jesus says is worth it. And in order for us to live into that, I want us to know one important truth today that we have to grasp onto and we have to hold onto today. And it's this truth, that receiving and extending forgiveness always involves a choice. Receiving and extending forgiveness always involves a choice. One of the things I love about our God is that he doesn't force us to do anything. He could, couldn't he? I mean, he could force us to do anything, but he doesn't. Instead, he gives us free will. Our God is a gentleman. And what he does is through his word and through his spirit, he lovingly leads us and gives us clarity on what the next steps are. He lovingly shares with us and tells us that he desires that we receive his forgiveness and that we extend it to others and to ourselves, but he doesn't make us. He steps back and he says, you know what? You get to choose. You get to choose. Will you follow me or won't you? And so as we kind of conclude this conversation this weekend, I just simply want to ask you the question of what do you need to choose to receive or extend forgiveness today? Where do you need to choose to receive or extend forgiveness today? It's your choice. It's our choice. Where is it right now that the Holy Spirit is stirring within you that you need to choose to receive his forgiveness or extend it to others or maybe to yourself? In fact, in your teaching outline there, there are a number of blank lines. And what I would ask you to do is take the courageous step right now to actually write down where it is the Holy Spirit is showing you that you need to forgive. All right? I have a couple prompts here that maybe will be helpful as you seek to discern what the Holy Spirit is is asking you to do. The first one is simply this. 
Perhaps you fill in the blank that Jesus today, I choose to receive your forgiveness for blank. Jesus today, I choose to receive your forgiveness for blank. If you're in a space today and you've never stepped into a relationship with Jesus, please don't leave one of our spaces today without taking that step. Or if you're online, don't click the X out thing and close the tab because until you've made a decision to receive his forgiveness, I encourage you, turn over your teaching outline, look at those few steps and, and say that sample prayer. It's not, it's not magic words. It's simply a posture of your heart to acknowledge that, that, Lord, I've messed up. I have sinned. I have broken your heart. But that I, it's acknowledging that you believe Jesus. That he, that he hung on that cross, that he bore your sin and your shame. And you are saying, Jesus, I am choosing to receive your forgiveness today. And if you do that today, please, please, please know that there is rejoicing happening in heaven. You are taking the first step towards healing. In fact, I want you to let us know in your worship folder today, there is a tear-off that looks just like this. And I encourage you to fill that out and put your name on it. But then on the back side, there's a, a box that you can check that says, I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I want you to check that because we want to follow up with you. We want to celebrate alongside you and walk the journey out. This is just a starting point today. But for some of us in the room, we've been following Jesus for a while. And if we're honest, there's some areas in our lives, there's some, some dark corners, there's some closets with things that we have been hiding from other people. And I want you to know that Jesus knows all about that. And his invitation to us is to receive, to choose to receive his forgiveness, even for that area. There is nothing that Jesus won't forgive. Perhaps this prompt will help you as you seek to go, Jesus, Holy Spirit, what's my next step? It's simply, today I choose to forgive blank. Today I choose to forgive blank. Let me ask you, who's the person that the Holy Spirit is stirring within you, the picture that you're seeing? Or maybe a way to answer this is, who's the person that when you walk through the doors of work tomorrow morning, or you walk in the doors of the church that you go out of your way to avoid? Who's the person that when you think about them, your blood pressure goes up and just fits of anger kind of bubble up in you? That's the person that the Holy Spirit today is saying, listen, just as you have received the forgiveness of Christ, I'm asking you to extend it to them. Perhaps it's not a person, but maybe it's an entity. Maybe it's an organization. Or let me be honest with you, maybe it's the church. Maybe it's the church. It's been believers or fellow believers or, or people in the church dynamic that have caused you significant harm. Maybe it's Heritage Church. And let me ask you today, if the Holy Spirit is stirring within you to extend that forgiveness to that church or to that organization or those people, please, please live into that because he wants to bring healing so that you can live into the fullness of the beauty of the church. And I'll tell you, as a leader in the, in the church of Jesus Christ, I ask for your forgiveness and I ask that you would follow the prompt of the Holy Spirit to release and extend that forgiveness to the church or to whoever it is. And perhaps this prompt will help you. It says, today I choose to forgive myself for blank. Today I choose to forgive myself for blank. Maybe today's the day in which you say, you know what? I'm drawing a line in the sand. I am no longer going to beat myself up over this. I acknowledge that Jesus died on this cross for that sin. That Jesus himself, the Holy One, the one who lived a perfect life, if he's forgiven me, then today I choose to forgive myself. You see, when Jesus hung on that cross and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing, he was clearly communicating to you and I that there is nothing that Jesus won't forgive. 
because he knows that healing can only come when we step through the gateway of forgiveness and he is inviting us and pleading with us. Jesus intends for us to receive his forgiveness and extend it to others and to ourselves. And it's my prayer this weekend that as we consider these last words of Jesus that we will be found faithful to live them out because doing what Jesus says is always worth it. It's always worth it. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us that was demonstrated in sending your son, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you speak clearly through him, throughout the, his life and ministry, but even, God, in these words from the cross. Lord, we're astounded that his words weren't words of rage or words of anger or revenge, but they were words of forgiveness that he offered toward, yes, those who were there, but even to us. Jesus, we acknowledge it was our sin that put you on that cross. And today we thank you for the promise, Jesus, that there is nothing you won't forgive. Lord, today may we walk through the gateway of forgiveness toward the healing that you long for us. And Lord, may we be a people who do what you say, Jesus, knowing that it's worth it. May we be a people that choose today to receive your forgiveness and to extend it to others and even to ourselves. And so God, I pray even in this moment on this weekend that you would do a work in us, Lord. Set us ablaze, Lord. May today be in some ways a resurrection day for us with these areas that have held us captive, areas of unforgiveness. God, that today that we can say no more, we can receive and extend the forgiveness and then walk forward declaring this is a new day that our King, our Lord, our Savior Jesus is alive. And because he's forgiven us, we'll forgive others. We love you, Lord Jesus. We give you all the praise now. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.